Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And he swings. Hits it high. And deep. And gone. Still going back. And welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball, part of the Just Baseball Network. As always, I'm your host, Aram Layton, and in today's episode, we are going to be talking about some pitching prospects because I've realized that I've gone a little bit hitter-heavy as of late, and I want to highlight some of the lesser-known pitching prospects who have really impressed through the first half of this minor league season. Also, in honor of Brian Bayo Day, I wanted to just talk more pitching specifically for those who may not know Brian Bayo has been called up he will be making a start really today I'm recording this at 3 p.m. on a Wednesday he'll be making a start in a few hours I was going to wait and recap the start but I figured I'll do that in tomorrow's episode anyways I know we're a little bit late this week with the episodes given the holiday weekend so today is going to be a pitching centric episode then tomorrow we're actually going to be talking about the Colorado Rockies top prospects list that just dropped that'll be for tomorrow and Friday breaking down that top 10. I had a lot of fun putting that prospect list out. Now, if you don't want to wait for the episode uh, to hear what the top 10 is, go check out the article. It's already on JustBaseball.com, but we're going to dive even deeper into that top 10, and I'll explain some of my reasoning as to why the rankings shook out the way they did, but that's a really exciting system at the top that I think a lot of people aren't really aware of how much talent there is uh, with at least the top five or six prospects there in that Rocky system. They easily have five top 100 guys, which is a far cry from where they were a couple years ago. Unfortunately, they could use some pitching, and all of the guys that I'm going to mention here are guys that are definitely not in the Rocky system. Their pitching is a bit thin, and there are some arms that are kind of the usual usual suspect organizations in terms of where a lot of these guys are coming from. Some, the numbers may not be as standout, which is why I want to talk about them, because I know if you're anything like I used to be before I really started diving into this uh, as a career, I would just kind of sift through fan graphs and, you know, sort by category and sort by the best stats in each category. As we know, that doesn't always tell the whole story, especially in the prospect world. And some of the guys I'm going to talk about may not have the best ERAs in the world, but I think are right on the brink of putting something together. And I've been really impressed with overall, whether it's what I've seen firsthand, whether it's what I've seen in video or having conversations with some other players in the minor leagues that have faced some of these dudes. I'm going to start with Brian Bayo, though, who is not really fitting the designation of what I was talking about in the opening of the pitching prospects I want to discuss, but I want to just give Bayo a little bit of airtime before I get into the more underrated guys because he entered this year as a more underrated guy and somebody that I was really excited about. I wrote something back in May on JustBaseball.com, which you can definitely check out. It's linked in the description that basically said, I think the title of the article was, Brian Bayo can help the Boston Red Sox soon. At the end of the piece, I said that 
maybe the Red Sox could just call him up before the All-Star break. I thought that was a little bit ambitious, but I was hoping that that would be the case given that the Red Sox, they don't really have any other options right now starting pitching-wise. They put the pitching together, but if they need someone to make a start, Bayo is that guy, and I figured with what he was showing in the upper minors right off the bat and with his pitch mix and the improved command, this was a guy that could get called up, but I, I was still surprised, even with making that prediction, uh, that he was promoted this early. But I want to give a little bit of a breakdown on what Bayo can do, and and I think what fans can expect, and what baseball fans in general, if you're a fantasy uh, person, you know, looking for a dynasty situation, I would plug this guy in right away. He's going to get you strikeouts. Uh, he has been fantastic in that regard this year, between AA and AAA. The command can wane at times. He's walked about 10% of batters between the two levels, but he's striking out 34 percent of batters and he can get better in that regard I think some of him is just trying to overpower guys in the minors whereas when he gets to the big leagues he's gonna have to pitch to contact a little bit and the good news is is he is capable of doing that he has a two-seamer and a four-seamer the four-seamer plays pretty well up in the zone it's not the best fastball in the world uh, but the two-seamer is actually a pitch I want to see him go to a bit more the four-seamer it's not great but it gives that change of eye level at around 97 to 99 it just doesn't quite have that life that riding life you'd like to see but if he can mix in the two-seamer bottom of the zone get ground balls which I still think is a good pitch with a ton of horizontal movement which works well off of his slider, or the slider works well off of that pitch is, is probably the better way to put that, uh, with a ton of horizontal movement as well, the opposite way, sharp, late, bite, and then also he has a plus changeup that he has shown a lot of comfort with this year, and nobody has really hit the changeup. That's arguably his best pitch. So you have an above-average fastball and two-plus out pitches and legitimately improving command. There's a lot to like here. I think the real hurdle for Bayo is going to be, does the four-seamer work at the top of the zone or are guys going to hit that? I think it'll work at the top of the zone if he sets it up properly with the changeup. And can he avoid the middle of the plate with the two-seamer? I have no concern with the slider. I have no concern with the changeup. I think both of those pitches are big league plus. And I think we're going to see that. He's going to get his strikeouts, but can he be efficient? Or is he going to get himself into a lot of full counts? Is he going to get himself into uh, some tough spots? And then missing that fastball locations where you get burned on one swing. There's going to be a learning curve. There's going to be a lot. I think that he's going to learn at the big league level. But I do think this dude is gifted enough to be able to get outs right now at, at the big league level. And that's kind of backed up by what is a career high in ground ball rate, thanks to the implementation of the two-seamer after realizing the four-seamer is just a bit too flat, on top of a slider and changeup that even when they don't get whiffs, which they really do get a ton of whiffs, it's a lot of weak contact in the ground. So there's a lot of different ways that he can get you out. But just beyond the strikeout, he is also capable of getting a lot of grounders. I think Brian Bayo is going to be a really, really good pitcher at the big league level for a long time, uh, but hopefully he can hit the ground running right away for the Red Sox, and that will be a huge, huge boost for this Boston Red Sox team. And at just 23 years old, he is off to an early and exciting start to his big league career, and I'm excited to recap this start before we get into the Rockies system tomorrow. But let's get into uh, what we set out to get into today, and that is some pitching prospects who should absolutely be on your radar. And how could I start with anybody other than a left-handed pitching prospect in the Tampa Bay Rays organization? It's Mason Montgomery, sixth-round pick in 2021. He has just been dynamite so far this season. Another Texas Tech underrated arm that is really, really performing. And the Rays identified this dude and now have helped kind of take his game to the next level. 
I'll get into the pitch data because that's what makes it really clear on how he is dominating despite not having uh, the craziest stuff in the world and also why the Rays gravitated towards him as well. But this was a dude that was decent in the first two seasons. 2020 was shortened for him. Obviously, it was shortened for everybody. And his first season at Texas Tech was a little bit rocky, struggled with command. Had a really good junior year where he pitched to a 3.82 ERA, 63 and two-thirds innings. He punched out 84. And the Rays saw a guy that was on the cusp, I think, of probably would have had an insane senior season had he gone back to school. They are able to sign him away. And it's been a joke so far for him. I mean, it's been crazy what he's been able to do to high-A competition. So far this year, he has a 1.95 ERA in 64 and two-thirds innings. He's punched out 114 batters against 26 walks. So if you're wondering, first of all, how does a guy that is capable of striking out 43% of batters in his first professional season at the high A level, how does that guy slip under the radar? Well, I think part of it was the command questions. He is still walking 10% of batters, and that's still something that he's going to have to kind of get under control. And he still has a little bit of susceptibility to the long ball, like any high spin, uh, high ride, or kind of on a tightrope type of fastball guy is going to have. But Montgomery operates really just 91 to 93. Maybe he'll grab a 94 mile per hour fastball there. That's really where he operates, but it's just so hard to hit. It's another one of those invisible fastballs. And those guys can often fly under the radar. We always see it. And there's going to be multiple guys that I talk about on this podcast that are similar in the invisible, you know, on a tightrope type of fastball that they offer. But I would argue that Montgomery's got one of the best shapes of his fastball in all of the minor leagues. More than 20 inches on average of induced vertical break. That's off the charts. That would be among the best at the big league level. That's like what Christian Javier is doing right now. The difference is Javier is doing it 93 to 96, whereas Montgomery's doing it more 91 to 94 range, maybe more 92s than you'd think. Uh, But it's really impressive how much of a riser-type fastball Montgomery is able to throw despite being at a little bit lower of a velocity. It's similar to Nestor Cortez in that you know ballpark when it comes to velocity, I'd say a little bit more uh, in the tank for him and a bit lower of a release point consistently, though we, we've seen Cortez drop it all the way down. What I love about Montgomery is he is not afraid to go right over the middle of the plate because he knows he can get that zone whiff. He also hides the ball pretty well. He stays closed. You don't see his arm till it's really late and the ball gets in on you a lot faster. It's kind of like Ken Waldachuk, who I'll touch on briefly in a little bit. He's not as underrated and I've been talking about him forever, so I'm not going to spend as much time on him, but he has that ride to it. And then the other thing with Montgomery is the slider and the changeup work really well off of it because you're so geared up for a fastball that looks like it's just going to run right over your bat or your barrel is going to miss under it, that when he does throw that slider, you're swinging over that thing. When he throws the changeup, you're swinging over that thing. So you feel like you're almost caught in between as a hitter. Opponents with just a 520 OPS against Montgomery's fastball, that's ridiculous. And I think there's a reason why we're seeing the Rays be a bit slow with Montgomery because you might be wondering, well, I mean, if he's striking out 16 batters per nine in high A, why is he not in double yet? The changeup just isn't quite where it needs to be just yet. And remember, this is a guy that really just put it together in his final collegiate season, had 2020 taken away from him, just turned 22 years old. So there's no real need to rush just yet. And he might as well work on the command, especially if the changeup, which flashes plus, uh, get more comfortable with the command of that pitch at 
a level that's just not as stressful for him because in double A, if he has to go to the fastball more frequently and doesn't have the command of the secondaries, yes, he'll get some swing and miss on it. But if you're going to the fastball a ton, no matter how good it is, and that's one of the best fastballs you're going to see, no matter the VLO, it's one of the best shapes you're going to see in the minor leagues, guys will hit it. When they're geared up for it at double A, they will hit that fastball, even if it does have 20 inches of induced vertical break. And you don't want Mason Montgomery to lose confidence in that heater. So take your time with him. That's what the Rays are doing. But man, this is a really fun guy to watch. And if he can even get fringy command of those secondary offerings, he's going to be a problem with that fastball. And I'm a big fan of Mason Montgomery. And I think there's going to be a similar type of trajectory to like we saw with Ken Waldachuk, but just in a probably better organization to help him develop that slider as well and get him where he needs to go. Very excited to see what Montgomery is going to do over the next couple years. And of course, the Rays have another one brewing here uh, in their system. Next up is another arm that was not drafted too high, higher than Montgomery, but a fifth round pick. It's Brandon Fott. And if you're wanting to search who this is, uh, it's Brandon, and then P-F-A-A-D-T. Very wild spelling there of the Arizona Diamondbacks. And this is a dude I actually, I mean, you can't forget this name. So when I was writing it in my scorebook in the Cape, of course, I'm not going to forget Brandon PFAT, which is how I remembered it because, you know, before you broadcast, you go over uh, to the other team's broadcaster and you just, you circle the names that you're not sure, you know, how to pronounce it. And you say, how the heck do you pronounce this one? And the opponent broadcaster, of course, was already ready. Like before I even asked him a question, he goes, it's fought. So it's Brandon fought. And this dude is, is pretty darn nasty. And he has an interesting story because before he got to the Cape, I mean, this is a guy that was pretty hard to identify in terms of uh, props to the Cape, Wareham Gateman, who actually, you know, offered him a deal to, to come over and pitch there, which really helped his draft stock because he was dynamite there in 32 innings. He was pitching at Bellarmine and Bellarmine is now a division one school. I think they were making the transition from division two to division one while he was there. If not, it was right before that. So, I mean, this is a guy that was not at a high profile school and the Arizona Diamondbacks have done a pretty good job of identifying arms through the years. And this is uh, no exception because at 23 years old, a little bit older now, uh, I think relative to the other players that were drafted in 2020, but He's already climbing his way up, and now he's in double A, and he has dominated through the lower levels. Uh, He got a taste of double A last year for 33 and a third innings, held his own, and now he's back up for double A this year as well. And this is a guy that fits the category of what I was talking about before, where I said, he may not come up on your stat queries because he has a 4.54 ERA, but Brandon Fott is really good, and I expect that ERA to normalize a lot more. His FIP is at 4.24, which is a little bit better, and his expected FIP is 3.63. I think he's better than all of those figures, though, to be honest. And and I think the strikeout-to-walk rate would back that up. I mean, this dude is striking out 33% of batters, walking just 4% of batters. He is a little bit susceptible to loud contact, and that's something that, you know, we got to watch moving forward. But he also pitches in one of the worst environments for a pitcher in the minor leagues in Amarillo, where... It is just easy to launch balls out of there. We were talking about that with Corbin Carroll and how, you know, I am sold on everything Corbin Carroll is is selling. I, I am buying everything Corbin Carroll is selling, except for maybe the power just a twinge. I think there is legit power there, but it's also ticked up a little extra in Amarillo. If you look at the splits for Brandon Fott, he has been 
worse at home. Uh, ERA over five at home, whereas on the road, it's in the threes. Not surprising. And I think that you can expect him to be a mid-threes ERA guy with a ton of strikeouts and not a lot of walks. Even his whip on the road, 0.929 versus 1.403 at home. I mean, this guy's giving up way more hits at home. It's a big difference. It's just too stark. And especially when you have all of the underlying numbers for this guy, I would venture to say get him in a more pitcher-friendly environment. And I know Arizona's not the most pitcher-friendly environment in the world, but it's better than where he's at right now, and the numbers will continue to get better. He's got a great arsenal across the board. The fastball is above average with its shape and since 94 to 96 high spin pitch though the slider is pretty darn nasty at the 83 to 86 mile per hour range with a ton of horizontal sweep to it he also has a curveball and a changeup, and he's comfortable going to all of those offerings I mean he is able to get swings and misses across the board with those pitches I'd say the changeup is lagging behind the most and uh, that's something that he is still showing a lot of comfort going to uh, but I, I think the curveball and the slider are a little bit more advanced. The slider, his go-to best pitch, that's that's a plus offering right now. And it continues to get better and better. If he can get that curveball and change up, which I think both flash above average, to just consistently be average or better, he's in good shape because that fastball will play up a little bit more and he will give you four different looks. This is a, a solid middle-of-the-rotation type of starter, in my opinion. A guy that really flew under the radar out of Bellarmine. And at 6'4", 220 pounds, the Diamondbacks have a good piece here and a guy that could be in the big leagues as soon as the end of this year. I don't see necessarily a reason to rush him. Probably more likely we see him next year. But a guy that should be on your radar, no doubt. And also somebody for your dynasty fantasy leagues out there, for those of you who like dynasty fantasy, Someone I'd pick up because I'd expect him to give you some pretty competitive innings out of the gate with the four viable pitches and the strong command. He could easily be, even out of the gate, a low four ZRA guy that'll get you some strikeouts and you know kind of avoid those big blow-up starts. I think he can be better than that, but he will hit the ground running as a big league starter. I really see him kind of making that transition smooth. A guy that's made the transition very smoothly to the professional ranks is Robert Gasser. The earliest drafted guy out of all of the names, which is kind of crazy because I love Gasser, but it is crazy to think that this dude was selected in the second round of the 2021 draft by the San Diego Padres. And if you remember back when we did the San Diego Padres system rundown, I really made my case to Jack, my co-host, about Robert Gasser and why I thought this guy was going to have a really good first full professional season. We didn't get to see much of Gasser aside from 15 innings in 2021. And He's honestly exceeded my expectations. ERA-wise, a little bit high at 3.82. The team's not great. The defense behind him isn't great either in Fort Wayne right now. Uh, But between 75 and a third's innings, he has punched out 94, walked just 24. So the command further along, I think, than a lot may have thought. And I'll get into the stuff in a second. A little background on his collegiate career. Started at New Mexico, struggled there, then transferred to Houston. Again, was not great in like seven innings in 2020 before the season was canceled. And then 2021 exploded and was dynamite for them uh, as a junior. I don't know what he was that year, but it was his third collegiate season. This is kind of the exact candidate. If you're noticing a trend here, a lot of these college arms that may have had that breakout in 2020 that had that year taken away from them and then were good in 2021, it wasn't enough track record for some teams to you know, thrust them into day one or thrust them into the first round. And uh, it was an opportunity for teams to you know, really test their scouting department and see if they could identify some dudes. And clearly there are some guys that were steals for that exact reason. 71st overall selection by the Padres. And he's looking like a steal already. What really stood out to me with Gasser and the reason why I liked him is even though the fastball operates more 92 to 94, his release point 
is really funky. He's tough to time up. He comes at you from a low three-quarters arm slot, hides the ball well, it gets on you quick, and his release point really helps his arsenal because he has a big sweeping slider from this three-quarters arm slot that allows for the sweep to just look even more dramatic. If you're a righty, it's harder to pick up out of his hand to see if that's a fastball tailing away from you or a slider that'll get in on you quicker than you think. And if you're a lefty, everything looks like it's coming right at your front hip. So, and that's even more difficult. Lefties, it's a nightmare AB against this guy. And he's got the four-seamer, which is solid. He will mix in a two-seamer from time to time, which has a ton of arm side run. Uh, also, the slider, which is a good pitch. And then he will mix in a changeup as well, which is extremely difficult for right-handers to pick up. And when he's going right, when he's able to locate that pitch, it fades away and looks like the fastball out of the hand until it's too late. I would say that the slider is the furthest along. It's a really good pitch that he can use either to back leg righties because of that tough arm slot or also sweep away from lefties. The changeup is going to be kind of the the pitch to watch and monitor and see how that develops because that will be another really difficult pitch for righties to pick up. The combination of Gasser's funkiness, delivery, and also just the sharpness of that slider as well gives him a really, really high floor of a lights-out reliever if it all came to it. But I think this guy can start. I think the command is better than a lot of people thought it would be. And with the mixture of pitches that he's already shown somewhat of a feel for, I think this guy is going to be a solid middle to back end of the rotation starter that can get you a ton of swings and misses uh, when you need him. 23 years old, got a little bit of time or ground to make up, I guess, uh, given where he is relative to most players, you know, at his age level. But he just turned 23. I think he's ready for a double A call up relatively soon. And I think he could be one of the next guys to be promoted. 315 FIP as well. Does not give up a lot of home runs, does not give up a lot of loud contact, and the walk rates continue to dwindle as the year goes on this is a good pitcher who should be a good piece for the Padres but could be a trade piece because I think a lot of teams would be interested in Robert Gasser next up is a pitching prospect in the Detroit Tigers organization it's Reese Olsen who also by the numbers on the surface I guess if you search by strikeouts he would come up because he's striking out everybody but Reese Olsen is flat out better than these numbers would suggest, at least on the earned run side of things. 3.95 ERA for Reese Olsen, but he's striking out a ridiculous amount of batters at the AA level right now. 37.5% K rate, 7% walk rate. So 30.2% K to BB rate is fantastic. 2.67 FIP. I mean, this dude can really pitch. And what I'm really floored by, by this Detroit Tigers prospect who is working his way now into their top five, probably even higher up soon uh, as other guys start to graduate, is the arm speed. He has a ridiculously quick arm. It looks like a freaking blur when he throws the baseball and it gets on hitters quick, much like a lot of the other guys I'm talking about here. 18.4 inches on average of induced vertical break, which is very, very good. And he sits around 94 to 96 miles per hour at around 2,400 RPMs. That is a really good fastball. Working off of that, he's got an assortment of secondaries he's comfortable going to also. He's got a slider that he trusts and flashes plus. He has a changeup that flashes plus and a curveball that looks to be above average. This dude could legitimately have three to four plus pitches if he continues, you know, progressing the way he looks like he is and continuing to improve with his command and is still just 22 years old. He's 6'1", about 175 pounds, super athletic, 
wiry, quick arm. I like this profile of pitcher. There's a lot more guys like this that are really impressing now, and his feel for all of his pitches is just really impressive. Initially drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers, then traded over to the Detroit Tigers. He has done nothing but pitch since coming over to the Tigers and seems to have really unlocked something with them. This is a different level than he's been at at any other point of his minor league career in terms of the swings and misses he's getting. Even through the 24 and two-thirds innings last year, he was only striking out about 7.6 per nine and walking about five per nine through his five starts. This is a totally different looking guy. And that's what's really amazing to me is you're seeing a kid with a lot more confidence in the fastball, trusting that he can blow it by guys and it's setting up his secondaries. He's also just got a better feel for his secondaries and has been able to locate the slider for a strike much more. And most importantly, the changeup seems to have made the biggest jump for him. So I really like the secondary stuff from this guy. I trust the fastball. I trust the improvements with the command. And he could be a legit number two type of starter if he keeps on this trajectory that he is on right now. And we could see him in AAA uh, not too long from now. Uh, the BABIP is really high. He's been unlucky. He's getting a ton of swings and misses. He's keeping the ball in the yard. This is an extremely talented pitcher who's going to get better and better, and the Brewers are probably going to kick themselves for trading him. Because remember, this was a deal that was straight up, if I'm not mistaken, for Daniel Norris uh, back in 2021. So that is not looking good uh, for... (laughs) Not looking good for the Brewers there, but they do have an embarrassment of riches at the big league level when it comes to pitching. But I am sure that they already regret this move here for a guy that hasn't even turned 23 yet and is dominating through the minor leagues. He's going to be added to the 40 man as well. He's going to be rule five eligible in December. So uh, I'm expecting him to be on a faster track to the big leagues and could be a guy that debuts early next year, could break camp next year with the Tigers. Last but not least is Ken Waldachuk, who I've talked about plenty, so I'm not going to get too deep into the Ken Waldachuk topic, but I just want to talk about how ridiculous he's been because he's either pitching his way to being a legitimate trade chip for the Yankees or potentially getting called up by the end of the year. I mean, what he's doing in AAA is ridiculous. We've already seen him dominate AA. And I love the way his offerings work off of each other. With the fastball having that same profile that I like to see from guys with good changeups, it's the riding fastball that's hard to pick up, the fading changeup that's hard to read out of his hand, and now a slider that is way further along than I thought it would be. And oh yeah, everything is ticked up about a mile or two per hour. So when he was operating more 92 to 94 last year, he's more 94 to 96 grabbing sevens this year. So he's really developed the slider. It's firmer, it's sharper, and also now has seen the fastball tick up. I mean, what is there not to like here? And when you look at the numbers between the two levels this year, it, there's not, there's just not much of a case to make against this guy. 199 ERA, 68 in, innings, 101 Ks, 27 walks. You could nitpick the, the walks a little bit, but when you're getting the swings and misses that this guy is getting, and when you are keeping the ball in the yard, only four home runs so far this season in 14 starts between double and triple A, and we always see the home runs go up and triple. They haven't for Waldachuk. If anything, they've gone down uh, because only two home runs in 28 and two-thirds innings in double A, only two home runs allowed in 39 and thirds innings in triple A. Really impressive. That's going to translate, especially in Yankee Stadium, especially with the big league baseballs. We know the changeup is outrageous, and now the fact that he is doing it with some of the other pitches as well, mixing them in, he's a tough A-B, and I'd argue that the slider is right there with the changeup. He's a problem, and he's going to be a very solid 
middle rotation piece. I've said this for a while, and I hope people are starting to believe it now, and I really enjoy watching this guy pitch. Sure, he'll have his frustrating outings from time to time. I like to use the Trevor Rogers comp, although Trevor Rogers has been really bad as of late. Now it's not as good of a comp, but you know he's going to have those points where things are a little out of sync as a 6'4", 220-pound guy with a lot of moving parts, uh, but I really do see a lot of Trevor Rogers in him when Trevor Rogers is going right, and that would be a wonderful outcome here for the Yankees uh, from another one of their prospects that just seems to be making that leap this year. Luis Medina, I talked about him earlier uh, a couple episodes ago, another guy that seems to be making that leap this year and a guy I probably swore off a little bit too early. So we'll call it a wash with these two Yankees prospects here. Uh, but that'll do it for today's episode. If you could take a second to leave a rating uh, to really help grow the show, whether it's on Spotify or Apple, leave a review. That would be awesome. Uh, somebody left one of the funniest reviews on the podcast on Apple I've ever seen. Uh, You know who you are. You made a joke about getting cards and your wife uh, ridiculing you for getting too many baseball cards. Thank you for that review. That was the funniest thing I've read in a while. And as always, thank you all for for listening and thank you so much for taking the time to support the podcast. I hope you had a wonderful 4th of July weekend and I will talk to you with Jack tomorrow about the Colorado Rockies top prospects. 